welcome to the podcast, Biblical Question. Today we're going to talk about into the water like Jesus. This is somewhat of a request uh, in an email. And so we put together this uh, podcast hoping that it will encourage you to understand more about baptism. To find out more about us, I encourage you to go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com. And there you will find more about us and links to our, our social media accounts as well as being able to email us. So we're going to talk about into the water like Jesus. In the religious world there have been many ways that people have been baptized. And there's a lot of confusion that seems to surround baptism. For instance, I recall when I was first being taught about baptism, I was very reluctant to be baptized. After all, in my mind, I'd already been baptized as a baby. But after months of studying and and talking and praying and and just really honestly reading the Bible, I concluded that perhaps I was not really baptized uh, like Jesus was or like the other examples that the Scripture in the New Testament talks about on the subject of baptism. So when I finally came to this conclusion and with a man I'd been studying with for some time and I told him I wanted to be baptized, he he thought this was the greatest news that he'd ever heard. But then I told him I wanted to wait till a certain day, and I wanted to wait till my birthday, which was just a few weeks away. Uh, he told me not to wait, I mean, he, and he used some verses out of Acts to, to show me that I wasn't promised another day. But having this mind in, uh, in my mind, I wasn't really going to back down. Uh, I wouldn't encourage anybody, if the Holy Spirit's guiding you to the baptistry, I would say go get baptized. I recall uh, telling him that I wouldn't lose any sleep over it, that things would be fine, that I'd been praying really hard, uh, and I promised I wouldn't go skydiving or racing motorcycles or doing uh, something crazy like that. But uh, again, if the Holy Spirit is encouraging you to be baptized, I immersed, I certainly would not. Uh, discourage you. I would encourage you to go do that right away. But still, the the confusion around the form of baptism remains. Uh, some people say that you can just be sprinkled uh, with water. Other people say that you can be uh, pour water. I've even heard groups say that all you have to do is put your hand into a bowl of water, while others uh, contend that you must be immersed in water. That the form of baptism, again, has been a heated debate uh, over the course of time. Uh, I would encourage you, if you have the time and and the the ability to research this, is go look for a group called the Anti-Baptist. And and that's kind of a deceiving uh, title, but the long and the short was uh, they were being killed and, and without mercy because they believed baptism I was by immersion and not by sprinkling and so there was a group that did the sprinkling I would go and kill them in the middle of the night uh, they would disappear the neighbors wouldn't know what happened to them and uh, the more than likely they were drowned there's still the confusion uh, some people say that baptism is is simply just an outward sign of inward grace Others baptize children and babies because they think that they're in sin and 
Most church historians say that this actually started during a plague in the 14th century, where parents started to get worried about their young children. They wouldn't go to heaven if they died because they were not baptized. And that showed that the parents really had a sincere concern for their children's salvation, wanted them to be with the Lord if they died, and I believe that to be commendable, but the truth of the scripture, again, has been bent at this time to ease the minds of people. So, if you go and look at some of the old churches that were built before then, and there's still a few around in, in Europe, they didn't have the uh, sprinkling little basin bowls or whatever. They actually had baptistries that people actually had to walk into. Since it may not be wise to immerse a sick child in this day and time with high fevers and whatnot, sprinkling was introduced. And it did not take long before the child uh, had to take sick, uh, so they didn't want to wait. And infant baptism became a common practice. They weren't going to wait till the, uh, some plague or some unforeseen accident uh, took their child. So they, they baptized or sprinkled their, their children. Some people did baptize for remission of sins, as I've already stated. Uh, others baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Uh, groups will baptize for the experience of a ritual. And some people feel like you, you have to be re-baptized if you were uh, not in the right uh, position at the time that you your first baptism was. Others are against rebaptizing. I mean, this is a, a subject that could just really go on and on. But there are many reasons why people uh, baptize today. Like in all different situations, we must follow Jesus to find the answer. It's in the Bible, and we must follow him uh, in, his, in his word. So let's do that. Let's follow Jesus. Uh, into the Jordan River where he's about to be baptized here in Mark chapter 1. And if you are a Christian and you believe that Jesus is the model for all things, then we need to pay attention to this. Uh, the Gospel writer of Mark gives us this description of Jesus' baptism. Mark chapter 1 starting in verse 9 says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, and the Spirit like a dove descended upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. The Gospel writer Matthew also would give us an account of the baptism of Christ. And you can find that in Matthew chapter 3 starting in verse 13. Jesus arrived from Galilee at Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have the need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answering him said, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after, the bapt after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice of the heavens said, 
This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Again, many people can express different views about, about baptism, which can become confusing, but one cannot grow wrong in following the example that Jesus has laid out. When we follow Jesus into the water, uh, we learn of a model for the Christian baptism. It is the, the likeness to all of the confession in the world about baptism that the baptism of Christ clarifies the image that's been laid in our minds about what baptism and, and how it's performed. The first image that we receive from following Christ into the water is the model of immersion. I mean, read the text really close and you'll see when he came up out of the water. So he was in the water. And the proper word for immersion here in the Greek is uh, baptizo, which means to be immersed into something. It is a complete uh, burial. And Jesus goes into the River Jordan to be submerged under the water. So if I was to say I was talking in the Greek, uh, washing dishes, I would say I'm going to baptizo this cup, which means I'm going to submerge it completely under the water to worship. Uh, John carries out this baptism for Jesus uh, after some hesitation really on John's part. John the Baptist had to be convinced that he was selected to immerse Christ. And after John realized Jesus wanted him to baptize him, he fulfilled Christ's request. An interesting occurrence uh, would take place because they, they were confused over this baptism. And the confusion was the, the front runner for the confusion today. Not everyone understands the necessity of baptism today. Uh, some will even stand in the way of someone being baptized, and I've seen that. For those who desire to follow Jesus into the water may have to assert themselves in order to be baptized after the biblical model. While we are following Jesus into the water, we are doing it with the same intent that Christ did. Uh, we follow Christ into the water to be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. Again, there's been some debate on why Christ was baptized. Uh, many could not understand why Christ would need to be baptized since he had no sin. He was sinless and did not need his sins forgiven. And since baptism offers the, the forgiveness of sins, and some will argue with that statement, I'd encourage you to go back and read the text in, in the book of Acts. But on the other hand, Christ had to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Righteousness is doing what is right. And Christ, uh, he's going to follow all of God's commands, just as we should. Jesus desired to follow the pattern and set the pattern for baptism in the future. We follow Jesus into the water to also do what is right in God's eyes. We are baptized to please God and to keep his commandments. We must attempt to do all that is right in the sight of the Lord. Another image that we can see in baptism of Jesus is how God declared him to be well-pleasing to him. At this 
point in time, God declares his acceptance of Christ and that Jesus pleased him by his obedience to his perfect will. God, in his uh, proclamation from heaven, pronounced his favor of Christ to the world, and God declared that Jesus was his son. When we follow Jesus into the water, we figuratively uh, secure the, the same result that Christ did. When we rise up out of the waters of baptism, God declares to us that he is well pleased by our actions. We are pleasing God by being baptized. We are also securing our, our sonship for ourselves when we follow Jesus into the water. You see, we're no longer enemies of God, but new sons of God, and that God has adopted us into his family. Just like in, in the real present-day adoptions, uh, the parents who are adopting an orphan, uh, they go through all the paperwork, they, they do whatever the government requires of them, and, and they develop this plan. They, they have secured the right, they have put together the money, and they have accomplished the work, and the child just chooses to go with the family. Uh, God has created baptism as that final step into sonship. And, and like the human parents of a new child who are well pleased to have a new son, God is well pleased to also have a new son enter into his family. One of the most beautiful things that appears at Jesus' baptism is is a picture of the Holy Spirit descending upon Christ like a dove. Though the Spirit of Christ receives strength for the final few years of his life, the Spirit confirms his pleasing role with God, as well as helps him for the coming journey. The word for the Spirit can also mean a comforter, an encourager, and that the Spirit came into Christ's life to, to encourage him in the coming years. The Spirit of God is a divine helper. Also, the Spirit is a guarantee of salvation that some has taught. It is a mark. The Apostle Paul will talk about that. It's kind of like the old cowboy and the cow. He would brand that cow with his mark, and that cowboy could say, that's my cow, and the cow could say, that's my cowboy. And that's what baptism does. It, it places a mark on us, and God can say, that's my child, and we can say, that's my God, that's my Savior. The Spirit here, again, with, uh, was given proof that God was with Christ on his earthly ministry. Just as Christ received the Spirit when he was baptized, when, again, when we follow uh, Jesus in the water, we also receive the Spirit. And one of the most important aspects of baptism is gaining the Spirit to help us on our spiritual journey. The Spirit encourages us to exhort us and, and comfort us in our walk with Jesus. Gaining the Holy Spirit is an important part of our spiritual journey as a Christian. We in baptism gain part of of God to reside within us. We are being transformed after we receive the Holy Spirit. Those followers of God in Acts chapter 19, uh, they were rebaptized because they did not receive the Holy Spirit with their baptism. 
they only knew of John's baptism and not of Christ's baptism. And the big major difference between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism is the gift of the Holy Spirit. John's baptism did offer the forgiveness of sins. If you go read about John the Baptist, he was baptizing for the forgiveness of sins. But not the gift of the Holy Spirit, while Christ's baptism provides both. The most important image that we can see in the baptism of Christ is the transition uh, into the beginning of his ministry. This was the beginning point uh, of Christ and his walk and, and what he was came here to do. Now, Jesus was about 30 years old and the Jewish mindset uh, that he was also considered an adult, even in our time that would be considered an adult. The Gospel accounts of Matthew and Luke begin the ministry of Jesus right after he's baptized. And through baptism, Christ was proclaimed to the world that he was the Son of God who was about to start his earthly ministry. After we are baptized, we declare to the world that we are on God's side in the spiritual battle for earth. And we testify to the world that we are his servants of God through public confession and through public immersion. We declare to the church and all of our friends and family uh, that we are members of Christ's church and that we have entered into a new world that's full of changes that God has planned for us. And as we follow Jesus into the water, you can also follow uh, Jesus out of the water and to do the ministry for Christ. We today, we can also follow Jesus into the water to be baptized and to receive the same blessings that Jesus received so long ago. I know some people listening would say, Oh, I really don't have to be baptized because the Apostle Paul would write in, in Romans. Never taught him about baptism. And I know that's a teaching out there, but I would encourage you to go read Romans chapter 6. He doesn't really have to get in deep details about baptism because when he arrives at Rome, the church is already there. The Holy Spirit planted the church. Nobody really knows who was the first human being to carry that message. I think if you go to Acts chapter 2, you would see there's a large group of people from all over the world there uh, gathered at Jerusalem for the Pentecost. And now they, they see this transformation. There was how many people were baptized that day? 2,000. They don't count men, women, and children in Acts chapter 2. And of those people, they were immersed and they went back to their hometowns. Uh, some of them are clearly from Rome, if you read the text. Um, even Peter in his epistles would elude that the people in, in Rome were there on the day of Pentecost. And so we need to understand baptism is much part of the Christian walk. Forcing somebody into the baptistry doesn't work. The Holy Spirit has to convince people that they need to do this and that they need to be cleansed and come in contact with the blood of Christ and continue uh, to walk for Christ, to begin their walk with Christ if they've not been a Christian at all. Some argue that you are not a Christian until you're baptized. I uh, see both sides of an argument here with uh, 
Cornelius and, and the, the Gentiles, they, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in tongues, um, but yet Peter does tell them they have to be baptized. Who, he says, actually the words say, who can keep them from the water? And all his family was baptized. They were all immersed. And there's eight different uh, transformation, uh, conversions, examples in the, old, in, in the book of Acts, excuse me, and they all include immersion. And to say that Paul doesn't teach about immersion as part of the Christian walk, it does, does not really add up completely because why would Paul, an inspired man of the Holy Spirit of God, teach something different than what he was taught in his conversion process? And Paul was baptized. He says so. In Acts chapter 22, uh, he talks about his, his conversion. You actually almost have to read uh, the entire book of Acts as, to get the complete story of Paul's conversion, uh, starting in, in around Acts chapter 8 9 there, where it begins, and you can see what happens. He's on the road to Damascus and so on, and how he waits. Uh, he's been blinded, and he waits, and he's told go to the straight street, go to this house, wait, and you will be told what to do. Well, part of those instructions was to be baptized, to be immersed. And so Paul obeys that and becomes uh, one of the greatest writers in the New Testament uh, church. He's, he's definitely a pillar. And so why would people deny that Paul uh, taught against baptism? He never teaches against baptism. He talks about his conversion and how he was immersed. And he doesn't have to beat this drum with the church in Rome because they're already practicing it. They've already been taught this. And so there's no reason for him to waste uh, paper and ink on a subject that they don't need help with. And so, but he does allude to baptism in, in Romans chapter 6 that uh, that's part of the Christian walk. And, of course, he would talk about baptism uh, all along. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians, how he would talk about baptism. He would say, look, uh, I'm glad that I didn't uh, immerse all of you, but only a handful, because they are all claiming whose baptism was better. And they were saying, well, I was baptized of Paul or Cephas or so on. And, and Paul would say, knock that garbage off. That's no good. Uh, we're all baptized and immersed into Christ. And so, baptism, again, is a very important part of a Christian's walk. Um, if we are not baptized, immersed, um, I would encourage you to, to do so. It doesn't matter if it's in a church building, at the river, or at the pond, as long as you're immersed for the right reasons, that the Holy Spirit has led you to the baptistry, and this is what you know that you need to do. I remember what Jesus said, right? Uh, and John the Baptist, I mean, they're having a discussion. Really, should we? Who should be baptized? Uh, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus puts that all to rest. Let's do this to fulfill all righteousness. Well, I hope this somewhat clears up uh, the subject of, of immersion or baptism. And again, I know there's many teachings and different thought processes on this. And I'm trying very hard just to stick to the Word of God. I uh, don't necessarily care about the traditions of men. I know a lot of them. I, 
I know where they come from. I understand some of the teachings and why. And like I said earlier in this podcast, uh, sprinkling of infants being became uh, around the 14th century. Again, uh, because you don't immerse an infant and you don't immerse a child with a high fever into water, that's a good way to send somebody in shock and kill them. Uh, even in the 14th century, they understood that. And so they were worried about salvation. And we all should be worried about that if we're not in Christ. We need to find our way into Christ and pray and, and ask God to show you this. Um, you can see, again, some of the conversion, like Cornelius. He's praying and praying and praying, and then God sends Peter with that message. And I believe if people are really looking for the word of God to be obedient, somehow or another, whether it's through a podcast, somebody actually comes up and talks to them, God will show them what they must do. It's not always easy. Uh, we in America don't realize how easy we have it to believe what we believe and live how we live. In many parts of the world, uh, that's not the case. Uh, they're underground. They're persecuted. Uh, many Christians are killed today. And I read an article recently that more Christians are killed today for their faith than any time in history. And that should be a wake-up call to a lot of people. We need to be praying for the church around the world that is persecuted and for the righteousness that they are trying to, to live and that they have the strength that God can give them. It's not always uh, knowing what to pray for them or how to pray for them, but I pray to put it in God's hands that those who are persecuted for his sake, that he will take care of them and comfort them as only he knows how. Well, I, I kind of rattled on, but I appreciate you listening. And uh, again, uh, make sure you like us on, on your app that you listen to us and, and subscribe so that you may get alerts each time that we post a podcast. Thank you again for listening. And may God bless you and may he have the glory. Mm-hmm.